Hello, I'm Jim, and this is On The Left Side, the funny football show. <coughs> it's coming back, it's coming back, it's coming. Football's coming back. It's coming back, it's coming back. It's coming, football's coming back. Football in the UK is coming back, and now we have an official date for it all to happen. The 17th of June 2020 is when the Premier League officially gets back underway and it's bad luck for productivity during lockdown, it's bad luck for wife and child and it's bad luck for gainful employment because every single bloody game is going to be on television. I haven't been this excited about watching television since the last series of Game of Thrones came out. Apart from this time, it's pretty much never-ending. In fact, it's almost exactly like the last series of Game of Thrones, but with less dragons and less tits, unfortunately. I must admit, I've been a little bit undecided about the return of football and whether or not it's the right move to be making with regards to the safety of all those involved, but suddenly, now it's on the rapidly approaching horizon, I'm as excited as an IKEA shopper waiting three hours to buy a load of tea lights and some Swedish meatballs. I'm happy, uh, maybe I need a few more. But not everyone shares my enthusiasm. Some club chiefs have been left a little bit miffed by the suggested return date, including QPR chairman Lee Wass's-face. Who's? The QPR chairman. I just forget his name. Lee who's? Yeah, Lee something, the QPR chairman. The QPR chairman. Surely this isn't that hard to follow. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. The fella isn't happy that the championship has also announced that their league will get underway in the middle of June, saying that he is stunned at a complete lack of consultation between the league and the clubs. He also says he is vehemently, whatever that means, opposed to a scheduled return date. Here he is on BBC Five Live issue with the fact that the 20th of June hadn't been a consensus that, that you were aware of. Well, the, tw the first time we, I heard 20th of June was last night at quarter to nine. Come on. 20th of June's always been there. Snuggled up between the 19th of June and the 21st of June. Don't try and get bullshit like that past the British public. Even if some of them did believe the whole Barnard Castle eye test thing. Not having it. Not having it at all. Whose voice was that on the interview anyway? I don't know. I'm not the producer. You're the producer. Who was it? Who's? Look, if you don't know, just say. All right? It's fine. For fuck's sake. Anyway, I prefer the reaction of former Sheffield United, Leeds and Wigan defender Paul Beasley when he found out about the new dizzying TV schedule for football, as recorded by his son Jake and stuck up on social media. Listen to this. This is unbelievable, Jeff. Right? This is how many games are on the week. One on Monday, two on Tuesday, three... Two on Wednesday, five. Two on Thursday, seven. One on Friday, eight. Four on Saturday, twelve. Four, sixteen a week. I love how excited he is. I think we're all just a little bit Paul Beersley, really, aren't we? <laughs> Plus, he's proved himself to be far better at counting than Phil Neville. He so desperately wanted to one score goals, one play well, one be the star, two, four. For I'm sure there's more than a fair few of Paul's fellow Liverpudlians who are pretty pleased with the Premier League coming back because it also means that they're going to have a fair crack at their first top flight title in 30 years. A title which they tantalisingly have one hand on already, even if it will forever 
have a big old asterisk next to it in the history books. An asterisk that Watford striker Troy Deeney thinks is going to be difficult to forget. When it comes to the integrity of this this season anyway, no way you can say that this is a viable competition now. It's like running a marathon, 20-odd miles, stopping for two months and then sprinting the last bit and going, oh, that was a good time now. I kind of get what you're saying, but... Still, that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, Liverpool will have still run and won a marathon. Maybe it's because if you compare the season at Anfield to a marathon, you probably also have to compare the season that Deanie's Watford is having, which is probably more comparable to an egg and spoon race at a school sports day, where you've fallen over two steps into the race and crushed the egg, which isn't quite as impressive. We still don't know if Dini is going to even join in the last two-mile sprint either, as he has been one of the more outspoken players, saying, rightly so, that he isn't prepared to put him or his family at risk of coronavirus. This is from the same interview with CNN. I think everyone can appreciate everything that the Premier League is trying to do as well. There's some frustrating conversations, but then there's also been some really good ones as well. What did you say? Are you able to tell us? CNN, what, what did you say? Uh, no, no, I just, yeah, I just said basically when somebody said it's the same as, I'm in the same risk of getting um, Corona by playing football or going to the supermarket. And I said, I've never had to jump for a header while picking up a cucumber. Well, you've clearly not been to my local Tesco, mate, especially when that whole toilet roll panic buying thing was going on. I had to go in two footed on an octogenarian just to get a double pack of Cushel. Whatever Troy says, the league will resume and Liverpool will inevitably win the trophy at some point over the next few weeks. What happens when they do will be really interesting. Games behind closed doors are one thing, but a socially distanced coronavirus trophy presentation is another entirely. Here's what happened in Austria this week when Red Bull Salzburg won their version of the FA Cup. Andreas Ulmer lifts yet another trophy for RB Salzburg in his decade-long career at the club. And as you can see, the circles on the mat to keep the players safely distanced from each other. Incredible, considering the fact that they have just been in a game playing together and against an opponent. There was more of an atmosphere on the ISS this week when the Dragon Capsule docked. Actually, there really was, and more tension, and probably more people there too. We'll go back into that ziplock, and then that ziplock will go into Melfi. Docking is complete. Zero to 30 hours. Okay, copy that. ISS is just passing over the Etihad Stadium in Manchester. My God, that place looks bleak. Right. How is it going to work when, and if, Liverpool do win the trophy? I can't help thinking that the gleam might be taken off the whole thing if Jurgen Klopp is standing by with a pack of anti-back wipes and giving the handles a good rub down before it's passed to every squad member. That's figuratively take the gleam off, obviously. If that happened, it would literally probably add more gleam. One potential solution to the lack of stadium atmosphere was brought up on this week's socially distanced BBC programme, Match of the Day X. There was one thing I saw West Ham looking at, which is, I don't know, a couple of Danish clubs have been doing about bringing uh, massive Zoom screens into stadiums and stuff like that. Now, what, what experience is that going to be of anything? You're just going to end up with like some buffering little screen 
and you just like you're just watching a small square on your laptop like that. You might like, just yeah. watch it, just watch it at home. Like you might as well be watching it on TV anyway. Who is it helping? I ain't helping the players. It'd just be weird. He's right. It's an absolutely terrible idea. Partly because I've officially now had enough of Zoom calls to last me a lifetime, but also no one needs to see the kickoff delayed by five minutes whilst Dan in Reading has to reboot his laptop because the camera isn't working properly or Karen in Woking coming up with a really great fun quiz based on what her fucking kids have been up to this week to keep everyone interested at half time or a close up of some random's nose hair because they can't quite work out where the camera is on their computer. We just don't need it. I mean, it would probably still be better than VAR, but I think we can do without. Instead, let's just be happy with what we have. And what we have is a dizzying, never-ending, relentless, divorce-inducing, productivity-sapping, mind-numbing level of football matches to watch over the next few weeks. That, in a few weeks' time, when Liverpool have actually won the trophy and we're back to arguing about offsides and video referee calls that we will no doubt wish would just go away again. But until that moment, let's just all be a little bit more Paul Beasley. It's unbelievable, Jeff. 16 a week. That is it for On The Left Side. Thank you very much for listening to today's show. We'll be back next week with another episode and we are inching closer to actual football being back too, which means we'll have loads more to talk about. Make sure before then you have clicked subscribe. Make sure you have left us a review on iTunes or however it is you listen to podcasts and make sure you have told at least one friend about the brilliant and funny football show. No, this football show. I'm talking about this football show. Lee Hoos. Tell them about this one. Hoos. On the left side. We shall be back next week. See ya. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson. 